Welcome to Smart Software with Smart Logic, a podcast where we talk about best practices in web and global software development with a focus on new and emerging technologies. My name is Justice Eben, and I'm your host today, a developer here at Smart Logic. We are a Baltimore-based consulting company that has been building custom web and mobile software applications since 2005. I am joined by one of my colleagues, the esteemed Elixir wizard, Eric Ostrich. Say hi, Eric. Hello. Our first series on the podcast covers Phoenix and Elixir in production, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Frank Hunleth from Smart Rent. Ah, sorry, Smart Rent. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing great. Great. Frank, to get started here, uh, this is a, an unusual episode for us because of your background, so I would love it if you could introduce yourself and give us a little bit uh, of background about Smart Rent and how you got started with Phoenix and Elixir. Okay, so my name is Frank Hunleth. I'm um, one of the uh, creators of the NERVS project. So the NERVS project is a project that makes it easy to develop Elixir applications on embedded systems. And I work for a company called SmartRent. SmartRent makes, they outfit apartment complexes and rental communities with uh, smart home style systems like smart locks, smart thermostats, and other things. And then they also provide a management system to the uh, property owners. My work with them is they're building embedded devices to install in those homes, and uh, NERVS is, is going to be running on one of them. Which is precisely what makes this an unusual episode for us. Most of our episodes are about like web application development, but uh, today we're really going to talk about embedded, which is uh, very unusual. Uh, so, so I'm a little bit out of my depth, but Eric knows a little bit more, and Eric's going to start uh, us off with some of our regular questions. Eric, do you want to take it away? Yeah. So do you want to give us a quick overview of the Elixir projects that you have in production or even just since you're part of the NERVS core team, just like any that you like are aware of? Okay, so uh, there are actually a few. I mean, NERVS is implanted in a variety of embedded systems. So I think when you come to NERVS, you're, you're wondering that, like what type of embedded system. So there are these ones with really small microcontrollers. Like you, if you're familiar with the Arduino, those might be in those. That's, that's not NERVS. And Nerves is more in ones that uh, can run. Um, they typically run embedded Linux. They do some networking. And they also usually run uh, enough business logic where it starts to become interesting to uh, put some Elixir code on them so they can run offline a little bit or do a little bit more localized processing. So of those projects, the initial one is, was uh, one by a company called Rose Point, which in Rose Point got the... Uh, got the NERVS project on the ground was the first success story. What they did is they made a device they put in to tugboats and towboats um, and uh, some medium-sized yachts. And it was based off of a BeagleBone, which is uh, fairly easy to buy embedded board, but they put some interfaces on it so they could connect it up to other sensors on the boat. And then they had software running that, that would communicate, that would aggregate the sensor data and communicate to the uh, captain running it. That, uh, that piece of software was pretty successful for them, or that device was pretty successful for them. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that they came back to about Elixir and, and Erlang was just how stable it was. Um, it made it easy for them to write, uh, code up some of their software. They were coming from, uh, their developers were coming more from um, a Ruby um, and a little bit higher level background than low level C. Made it easy for them to write, and the devices just kept on working, which was which thrilled them to no end. So that was the beginning. For SmartRent, we're using the smart homes um, that we're deploying. There's uh, Latote is another company that uses it to automate their warehouses. It's being used on a couple farms operations. 
to automate the equipment there. And uh, let's see, there are a few other uses in industry, some not announced yet, but it's also used to found to home in for many hobbyists and many people just getting involved with electronics for the first time. So if you go to the nurse forums and that, you can, you can see a lot of those little, little projects get uh, put up that people are making in an elixir and doing uh, some pretty neat things with. Cool. Uh, so our next question is like, what make what made you pick elixir? I guess going, going back a bit to the start of nerves. So like, (laughs) yeah. So if I rewind, I totally didn't pick Elixir. (laughs) So I picked, I, I, I originated in Erlang. So the story was, is that my career, I started out making voice over IP switches, big, big ones for uh, central offices, built one that the company was successful, left to go to college and then found, start reading papers about Erlang and found out how I did everything in not not the greatest way and I, their solutions were, were were quite good so i was very impressed with erling and i decided that i was going to take it upon myself to get erling in a project and that was 2002 so it wow. took me like forever to uh, actually figure out a way to get erling in the project and gave up in about i don't know 2010 or 2012 or around then and it's just like fine i'm just writing something i'm just going to see how how I can do it. And the toy project I built eventually grew into the nerves project. And then Justin joined in and, and made it way more awesome for any <laughs> Elixir developer and me too. Yeah. Uh, so totally sold me on Elixir. I love it. So this is interesting because I think you're the first person that we've spoken to that comes from, comes to Elixir from somewhere other than Ruby on Rails. Yeah. C and C++ all the way from me. <laughs> but yeah, VL or like, so yeah. And now I'm curious if there's like a whole, whole cohort of developers out there that have come to Elixir through Erlang or if that's actually like a minority. Oh, no, there, there are a bunch. The one nice thing, of I think Erlang, you get really indoctrinated to OTP pretty much head first and get it nailed into your brain. So the people that have come over, I've really enjoyed working with them just because, you know, they really got those pieces down. Now, if you were to ask me about C and C++, I think that's a harder nut to crack to get the C++, the C and C++ developers to come over. But I would stress here that a lot of the, the features that are really important to, to embedded development mesh very well with the selling points of Elixir. It's not like this is some crazy jump here. It's the in, embedded the robustness, the reliability that you need, fault tolerant stuff. Those are key things. The embedded devices are usually plug places, put places that you can't access or you know need to recover at off hours and all these things. These are really important things that Elixir and Erlang have solutions for. You know, C and C++, we rebuild them. Um, now, granted, uh, there are a few more available to us today than when I started, but I don't think there's anything quite as cohesive as the Elixir and Erlang ecosystem regarding this. Certainly um, with third-party libraries, it's usually mix and match for, it's been my experience with the, uh, with the other languages, whereas things are a little bit more, fit a little bit better together and follow similar paradigms. Yeah, I was searching for this real quick. Uh, that reminds me of, uh, speaking of C++ redoing kind of what Erlang is doing, there's Robert Verding's first rule of programming, right? Uh, so any sufficiently complicated concurrent program in another language contains an ad hoc, informally specified, bug-ridden, slow, slow implementation of half of Erlang. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel like I've been there like a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> so oh, I could 
I could definitely imagine it happening a few more times on a CSC plus project that I do. It's, yeah. Start seeing these patterns and start replicating them. Cool. So that, that kind of covered a bit of the advantages of like why you'd want to use Elixir. Is there like any uh, disadvantages that kind of jump out? There are certainly, Elixir is not a systems programming language. So if you want, it, it doesn't really make for, you don't really want to wedge it into places where it's not right. It's, it's, I mean, that's why we have ports and diffs so that we can, we can do those system level things in maybe a page of C or maybe Rust code and then be done with it and then back to the Elixir land. You know, most of the, the pain points in Elixir, I think, are like shoehorning it into embedded places where it's not a good match. You know, when you keep it at the networking business logic and some and the control logic, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty happy place. And it performs amazingly well in some other places. And, and I certainly know from other people in the community have done some pretty ridiculous things with um, managing video and Elixir on some slow embedded devices that I told them wouldn't work and they showed me it working. <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't go with those. Um, yeah, I, th I, think, I think you just have to look at what you're going to do and, and, you know, if it's going to be something low level or if it doesn't quite mesh, not to try to force it and put yourself in that pain. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to add links to ports and NIFs documentation for people so that they know oh, yeah. what we're talking about there. M moving on, Eric, do you want to jump into some of these hardware questions? Yeah. So I guess our first question is like we have, we've written our uh, NERVS application. What hardware do we stick this on? Right. So that's, that's a good question. NERVS runs a lot of places. So we, Generally, encourage people to start out with uh, Raspberry Pi-based boards because our support, the open source community and, and uh, the NERVS, the greater NERVS community is, has a lot of comfort in supporting that, those boards. Um, and then certainly if you're trying to pull something um, attached, a Raspberry Pi to some new piece of hardware and no one in the community has used it, you can usually get some answers from other Raspberry Pi communities. But... NERVS is much bigger than Raspberry Pi. The other official boards are the uh, um, BeagleBone series of boards, which are similar take. They're, they kind of look similar at a very high level to the Raspberry Pis. When you go through their feature list, it's much more interesting to maybe an industrial um, user. They have some lower level interfaces, some features that support real time, a little bit better support in some areas to keep your devices running and failing back if you happen to give it a bad piece of firmware. That one we support, and we also support x86. There's a whole bunch of people who use uh, embedded x86 boards, which just look like, you know, they just look like PC motherboards, um, except a little bit smaller and screwed into some weird container. So there's, that's the official list. Then getting past the official list, people are running, people are making custom boards and like for SmartRent, we made a custom board. We're basing it off of a chip uh, uh, module built by Octavo, which has many similarities to the BeagleBone, but it's, it's one module that we can put on a special board that has the other components that we need. There are other groups putting their stuff on to um, Raspberry Pi compute modules, which is more like an embedded way of using the Raspberry Pi. I'd say it's mostly supported by NERVS, but uh, I don't think that we have a regular maintainer, but still it's, it's, it's slightly different than just taking a Raspberry Pi. There's uh, NXP has a set of processors called IMX6, and there's other varieties that... Uh, people can run NERVS. When, when it comes down to it, porting NERVS to a new platform is not the biggest deal if you're familiar with tool or have used a tool called BuildRoot and have some passing familiar to embedded Linux. There are a couple of configuration options. 
you can kind of copy paste them from stuff that the board manufacturer will give you. We provide a route to doing that. Certainly if you're building a lot of boards you're, or if, if you're planning on shipping a lot of units, the looking into custom hardware or building your own board starts becoming a more interesting option to lower the cost. Cool. So now that we've, we've picked out our hardware, how do we get our code to this hardware? So there are a couple of ways. We start everyone off um, using SSH. You can SSH to your to the device by default uh, by and you get an IEX prompt. Right? You don't get a shell prompt. You get the IEX prompt because it's Elixir running, and you can do stuff there. But you can also we have a little script that's uh, lets you upload firmware files. So so Nerves compiles down we um to a release, and then there's a post processing step which zips up the release and puts some metadata and optionally cryptographically signs it that we call a firmware bundle that firmware bundle file is effectively um just copied over to the board and but uh through ssh and updated so that's the development and that that mode works for small numbers of boards some people deploy that with like ansible um, <laughs> then the uh the other way that we're working on a lot on now is a service called nerves hub it's so it's a server and a client so nerves hub is the server, which you'd upload your firmware file to, and then the, the device is also connected to the server. And through configuring um, what we call deployments on the server, you can say a device connects with this with an old version of firmware, send it down this new version of firmware, and it will automatically update. And there's a laundry list of features on how you can roll out updates, but uh, you're using a centralized server. We operate um, nervshub.org, but you can set up your own server instance. Elm. And then the third way is just do your own thing. Um, there are a lot of people that make ad hoc firmware update servers that just ping a web server for the, for the latest firmware image or some variation on that theme. All right. So now that we've got our code deployed to the application, it's out in, it's out in the wild. How do we secure this thing? Right. Now, there are many aspects to this. A lot of what I, what I have to say is, is uh, specific to you know, the smart rinse scenario or a couple others I know. So you, so you always have to keep that in mind. But uh, you know, out of the box, um, we're forcing everyone to use SSH in there. So, so the unfortunate part is that only lasts so long because it's a, a secret key option. The, the nerfs, once, when, for security reasons, it's not great to pass around the secret keys for logging in or updating firmware onto your box unless your, your environment is behind a firewall, like some industrial factory kind of setup. When you move into the nerfs hub realm where you have devices that might be behind firewalls or just anywhere in the world, then things start to get, uh, um, you want to start to do a little bit more and turn off SSH and secure the connection to, to the nerves hub server and also secure your firmware chain. So for nerves hub, we require firmware to be signed. So when you build your firmware image and you want to ship it to this production, you have to cryptographically sign it using private key. That's where the public key is put on the device so that no matter how that firmware file gets to the device, the device can always check that says, yes, it came from a trusted location. So then, you know, you peel back the onion a little bit and like, how do, how do you authenticate to the server, to the NerdSub server? That we use HTTPS, just like pretty much everyone else. I think the, uh, the device authenticates the server just like you would in any other typical web um, interaction. But uh, we also have uh, use client-side certificates to secure the devices and this isn't something that's specific to us. It's the various MQTT, the brokers, the IoT brokers that uh, people use do a similar thing. So for those um, 
every device gets deployed with its own certificate. And the way we manage this with Nurse Hub is that you can either create your own key locally. We don't, we don't recommend that approach, but it doesn't require any extra hardware because you, it's a very manual process. And then you have to protect and rotate the keys. The approach that we're using at SmartRent and the approach that we're that they're using they're that they're starting to use other places to put a, a chip on their main board we're using one from microchip that uh, it stores the private key part inside the chip there's no way to get it out what we did to make it a little bit easier for hobbyists and others is we made a uh, a little board called the nurse key board which has this particular chip on it and it works with the open source client nurse hub client to so that you can create your own so that your devices can each have their own certificate with a protected private key. And it just fits into the Erlang's SSL stack to authenticate with the server. Roughly speaking, that's part. And then yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of how far to go to with this. It's, it's yeah. like my, it's my experience. in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, my, my, it's, it's like peeling back the onion. Like, like once you, you keep on, the problem guess, with a lot of these devices is that, that people have physical access, like yeah. by design, they have it. So there are additional, if, if you're storing something critical on the device itself, you have to take extra precautions to secure that. And I think what a lot of people have done is moved a lot of that sensitive data over to the server. So the device yeah. is compromised that they have to go a little bit farther, but uh, yeah, certainly it's, it's, this is a big topic. Yeah. Is there, is there a, um, I guess, is there a nerves, security page somewhere that right. uh, people could start looking into? So the Nerves Hub documentation talks about the end-to-end and the client-server security. The, if you want to get into more details, the crypto chip, we've, we've documented a lot of that at the Nerves Key GitHub. So there's, there's cool. actually two repositories, one for the chip and one for our configuration. of The chip is highly configurable, and we labeled our configuration Nerves Key. It's certainly a good starting point for everyone, and then depending on your application, you can, you can ex- use the crypto cryptographic chip for, for more stuff. If you, if, if that makes sense. Cool. All right. So we'll make sure to include uh, the links in the description for that. So let's uh, keep moving on. So we've asked other people of, of like how they, if they, and how they cluster, but um, I imagine that's pretty different for embedded stuff. So is there anything that's kind of similar to, clustering yeah, yeah. so when you say clustering i immediately think of their lane distribution yeah. and yep. i do not know of production use <laughs> for nerves devices with their lane distribution i could believe that they exist but uh yeah. the the projects that i know are certain are you know like more like toy-like projects because it's just kind of fun i guess where i take this is that the typical protocols that uh we run to our mqtt so the these devices call home to a server and the favorite protocols are the ones that you'd expect. Either someone has a RESTful interface, but it's more often that they have an MQTT interface and there's a Elixir library called Tortoise, which I think seems to be, almost everyone seems to be using it nowadays. There used to be a couple others that got used, but people have been switching to that one. It's lets you connect to AWS, IoT, the other big brokers, pretty simple to integrate in. Um, and then I, since since it's, this is Elixir podcast, I have to ma- mention that people are also using Phoenix channels <laughs> to uh, connect up because the companies that are using Elixir or using Nerves usually have a team of server develop- side developers, backend developers who are strong at Elixir. I think that's like the default <laughs> and channels 
seem to be very low barrier to get started. So yeah, I think I saw at ElixirConf this year for the Nerves Hub announcement. Was that is Nerves Hub channels? Yes, yes. Nerves Hub is using Phoenix channels. So so then, yeah, there's a there's a good example to go peek around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So no, Nerves Hub is is full speed forward on Elixir based technologies, and where they fall short, the answer is to fix them. (laughs) They meet our needs. All right. So I guess our last like hardware related question specifically is like how does elixir compare to c or c plus plus or any any kind of other embedded development well it's it's different right it's it's uh i, I think that that you know that there are a couple fun areas on elixir um compared to the c and c plus plus development one of the fun areas is is when you make an is when you make a mistake in your code and you just copy paste something into the IEX prompt. I mean, it's just like, this This is like boring stuff and there are way better ways of doing this. But, you know, if I had a C developer who had to recompile and and then stop and start their app, I mean, that's that's pretty cool stuff. So, um, so better you, developer you know, experience. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah I, I think that I'd like to say that in many ways that there's a better developer experience. I also think that there are many ways that we can improve. So I don't want to feel like uh, I'd ever give the impression that there's an endpoint here. But that certainly is a fun thing. Anything that has to do with binary pattern managing is like crazy fun for me because yeah. it's like I stare, I go from these libraries and, and I guess one thing to back up is to, to maybe um, talk very nicely about hardware people and electrical engineers and um, you know, say something about how they like to cram every piece of information in um, various numbers of bits that, uh, you know, if, if it takes three bits, it takes three bits. And that leaves, you know, five more to put some other random thing that's totally unrelated to that one, uh, one flag in that field. And binary pattern matching has just a way of making the code to interact with this stuff so pretty. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess from that point of view, it's, I've almost gotten to the point where bitwise is a code smell. The, the Elixir Bitwise library. If I ever see that, I'm like, oh no, oh no, some of something was just copy pasted. So um, if I think about this a little bit harder, I can delete like half the code with uh, with appropriate yeah. patterns. Yeah, I've done a bit of, uh, for better or worse, uh, telnet parsing, and um, there's some out of band stuff that you can catch that like doing pattern matching was like so much nicer than I don't even know what I would have done. But <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's just totally a brilliant feature. Yeah. And yeah, I, it's one of these things that uh, I would imagine that your audience, if, if you've gone through the pain of dealing with all the bit manipulations, you'll be like, oh, this is like the best thing since sliced bread. And, uh, yeah. and if, you, if you haven't, you're like, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I guess uh, maybe speak a bit more about nerves itself and like kind of what's in there or if there's any... Com- competitors to nerves <laughs> oh right right so let me just give the quick the quick summary so nerves is this set of tooling really when it comes down to tooling and cooler libraries um that's where we try to focus the nerves project now the nerves ecosystem has a lot of other things surrounding it so that's that's part of the nice part about it, keeping the core small is we can focus on that and then pull in um things from the community either be it ports or hardware associated libraries and whatnot. There is another, there are other ways of doing of programming in Elixir on embedded systems that, that, that I'm actually quite excited about too, even though they aren't nerves. And so I guess I'd be remiss to say you can, if you had a Raspberry Pi with Raspbian, you can program Elixir on that 
no problem. That's like, it's like a PC program Elixir on it. You're good to go. A lot of the, the nurse libraries will just work out of the box. And that's on purpose. A lot of us prototype stuff there on, on Raspbian when we have no clue what we're doing. Uh, but we also like to keep things working there because uh, that's, uh, we know that that's a particularly low barrier to entry to people who are, who are coming from the Raspberry Pi. Another project that uh, is, is the GRISP project. And that, uh, is, that one started out as an embedded Erlang project. So it has slightly different roots. Um, if you take a very distant step back, it has a lot of similarities to NERVs. Um, some of the things that the GRISP group um, prioritizes that are interesting are one, they, they don't build off of, off of Linux. So NERVs are, we use the Linux kernel as our way of getting access to device drivers for all the kinds of hardware and, and ports. So GRISP takes a different approach. They use a real-time operating system, so it's a little bit thinner. Uh, they also, have been running on microcontroller boards. So they're, the GRISP, they, uh, if you want to program using GRISP, their, their infrastructure, you have to buy a board that runs, um, that, uh, with, that they ported uh, GRISP, the GRISP libraries to. Um, the exciting part about GRISP coming up is that they're working on a new board and it's using an NXP IMX6, which is a processor that can run Linux. And since it can run Linux, it can run NERVs and since uh, the nerves, the people who work on the nurse project and the people who work on the GRISP project um, talk to each other, um, we're, 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 we'll have nerves running on that board. So it'll be, that board is probably gonna be a pretty interesting board to uh, um, quite a few industrial users who have various needs that uh, aren't met by the Raspberry Pis and would actually take some work to get uh, a custom board like a BeagleBone up to speed. Plus the IMX6 has some cool features that uh, the BeagleBone doesn't have. So in any case, this is a very exciting project for um, both of our teams. And hopefully there will be some announcements soon, maybe. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but uh, um, it could be sooner now. So <laughs> about that. Well, I'm looking forward to, to that. And uh, I think that we're running pretty short on time here. So Eric, maybe you want to take us through our wrap up questions. Yeah, I think I think we just have have the one. Um, so if there's if you could give a tip, one tip to developers out there who are or maybe soon running Elixir slash Nerves in production, what would it be? Oh, there's so many things. Combining <laughs> down to one, I should have really prepped better for this one. But the, I think the key to being successful with Nerves is just keep the system simple. I mean, it's like there's. I think that's that's the whole beauty of Elixir. I know this is some totally generic, and this is probably the lamest answer ever. You know, keeping these embedded devices simple is what makes them robust and last long and easy to deploy. I mean, we live in a network world, so you don't need to cram the whole world onto the embedded device. I think there's a lot of success to be had. There's certainly the devices out there have, have found um, nice splits between what goes on the embedded device and what goes in the cloud to keep the embedded device as reliable as possible. And that's, I think that's led to success and happiness from the people who have to maintain these devices. Very cool. Well, Frank, thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you. It's great thank talking for, to both of you. It's it's really a, a pleasure and an honor. You're uh, you're a luminary in the community, and I mean that really. And uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, are there any uh, plugs you'd like to make before you head out? Obviously, nerves, uh, but also like if people 
can find you somewhere or like why should they try to find you and reach out? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. People should always try to find me and reach out. I can, I'm human, so I can only uh, get back to, you know, as much as humanly possible, but please reach out on, on the Elixir forum. Elixir forums right now underutilized for nurse people. We love our Slack channel. You know, we're, we're present on both. Shout out to um, Justin um, Schneck, uh, Connor Rigby. He's always on Greg Meffert. These are all there's core team people, and there's certainly quite a few other people who aren't core team that uh, are super helpful to me and others. So that, that's where you reach them is on the Elixir forum and tag your post with nerves um, and uh, on the uh, the Elixir Lang Slack on the nerves channel. Awesome, Frank Hunleth, everybody. Once again, this has been an episode of Smart Software with Smart Logic talking about Elixir in production. Join us next time for more conversation with folks running Elixir in production. And if you, you know, are interested in learning about Elixir, uh, this is the, the podcast to learn. Uh, Eric, Frank, thank you so much for your time, both of you. And we'll see you all next time.